Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you are listening to episode 46 of Connection Not Perfection. Welcome to Connection Not Perfection, the podcast that helps parents and teens connect using literature, laughter, and love. Hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so glad that you're hanging out with me today. Now, if you're like me, your kids might have been on spring break a couple weeks ago or last week, or maybe they're on it right now, and I hope you are having a great time connecting with them. Now, for me and my teens, a couple weeks ago, we traveled throughout the Midwest looking at colleges and visiting family and old friends. And as we made our way across the Midwest, I thought it was super ironic that the big news story of the day was the one that was breaking about parents bribing their children's way into different prestigious universities across the United States. I had a lot of time to think about the whole thing, the whole story, as my two kiddos and I drove probably about 2,000 miles. As I really thought about the choices that those indicted parents made, which included some celebrities, I know it's it's almost like the last news cycle by now, by the time this is coming out, but it really was the forefront in the news for quite a bit. And while I thought a lot about the parents, what I really, really began to think about was the teens themselves, because I think there's a lot to be said for the kids who these parents were trying to quote unquote help. So I really began to connect some dots as I thought about this. And I want you to stay with me here because I really think that there's a bigger picture that we need to see, especially as the parents and teachers of teenagers. Now, not long ago, I talked about the national trauma that we experienced on 9-11. And for that episode, I think it was number 42, and I'm going to include a link in the show notes. I reviewed a great young adult book that was set during the time period immediately following 9-11. And I'm bringing it up because although it's been almost 18 years, I really believe that the fallout from 9-11 is still reverberating throughout our society. And if you have teens today, they were either born slightly before 9-11 or slightly after 9-11. And for our kids, they've never really known a world without really stringent airport security measures, um, talks on the news um, of the Middle East, or all too frequent stories of terrorist attacks around the world. And we as their parents have been raising our teens in a world that is significantly different than the one that we were raised in. I really distinctly remember holding my one-month-old son as we watched the 9-11 coverage and just thinking, our world is never going to be the same again. And the world that our son is growing up in is going to look decidedly different than the one that my husband and I did. And and that's true in so many ways. Because if you're like me, it seems that there's a threat around every corner, right? From international terrorists and online stalkers to social media bullies and classmates with guns. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but in the dark of a sleepless night, it's really enough to make me question why we chose to add more humans into the chaos, especially humans who are, as the saying goes, you know, my heart outside my body. And then morning comes and it's off to the races of our daily routine. And I set all that kind of philosophical pondering aside because hello, it's real life, right? 
But I do think it's worth thinking about the fact that it would be really ridiculous to suggest that the events over the past two decades have not affected our parenting. And the question is, are we aware of the extent that it's played a part in our decision making today? And if we are aware, what are we doing about it? Do we need to counteract it? Is it something that's good? Like really taking a look at things and evaluating it. Because it's easy to want to wrap your kids in bubble wrap and stash them in the basement to keep them safe. That would be the optimal decision, sort of. Of course, I'm being tongue in cheek here, but really looking at the news, it's not that far off, is it? Because when you have parents bribing their kids way into prestigious institutes of higher education and tales of wake up calls so that college students don't miss tests and stories of bosses receiving calls from their employees' mom and dad, it really begins to paint a picture. And it's not a pretty one. Because when we parent from fear, it makes even crazy pants things sound reasonable. Your daughter doesn't eat sauce on food? We'll call the school cafeteria and see what can be done. Your son's roommate issues? Call his RA to try to help work it out. Now, earlier this year, I was talking to my brother about the number of kids who are a couple of years older than my my kids are, who are staying at home for their first couple of years of college and beyond even. And we were talking about how different that was from our experience. Um, We were both very hell-bent on getting out of our town and being able to call our own shots and do our own thing. And as we talked about it, I voiced that maybe we've made it too comfortable for our kids. They wanted to stay at home because it's such a great, relaxing place that there's nothing for them to rebel or chafe against at home. And he snorted loudly, I might add, and said, right, your supreme parenting skills are keeping those kids at home. Now, I cracked up and told him, obviously, that's not what I meant, but I've thought about it a lot since then. And truly, my sentiment wasn't that my husband, Philip, and I are such awesome parents that our kids don't want to leave. As I thought about it, it really felt like something was eluding me. And what I finally came to the conclusion of was, It's not about how great our home is. It's about how safe it is. Because as a culture, I feel like we've elevated safety above all else. And the result is the helicopter slash snowplow slash bulldozer parenting style that is such a huge part of our culture right now. I feel like we've swung to the extreme side of wanting to protect our kids no matter what it takes. We intervene to spare them pain or to keep them from feeling rejected or less than or disappointed. We jump in to pave the way for them and create optimal circumstances to everything we can think of. Now, I'm going to take a step back here for a second and say there are some very real dangers and harm that our kids face, especially if you're the parent of a child who's maybe struggling with thoughts of suicide or harming others even or are on drugs or or those kinds of things. And please understand me, that is not what I'm talking about. Clearly, those issues need to be addressed and you want to be on top of that like 100%. So don't misunderstand me because I am not referring to those. I am talking about the -the over-the-top, overboard protection, overprotection of kids and the crazy things that parents convince themselves that it is okay to do in order to make their kids' lives perfect or rejection-free or pain-free or all the things. Now, I don't know that we're ever successful at doing that. 
about keeping our kids' lives pain-free. And actually, you know, I know for a fact that we are not. Because all this week, my mind has been on those kids whose parents really tried to spare them the pain of not getting into the university that they wanted to get into. And now those kids are dealing with parents who cheated them into their schools. And I would say that the pain of, especially those kids who didn't know what their parents were doing, I would say their pain is so much bigger to feel betrayed by their parents, to question their identity. I mean, think about that. If you found out that your parents bribed your way into university when you thought that you had done the work and done your very best job and really earned something that you were proud of and that is ripped away from you, I think that is going to call for some serious self-reflection and doing the work of really figuring out who you are and figuring out what your relationship is with your family. Okay, I digress because that is totally a topic for a whole nother episode. But today's discussion, the point of this rant of mine, is that we are doing our teens no favors when we put safety above everything else. Because being safe means no risk taking. And when we keep our kids safe, we are also keeping them from some really great things, like the confidence that comes from problem solving or the independence of figuring it out by yourself or the resiliency that comes from failing and picking yourself back up. Now, in one article that a friend recently shared, the author described it as parents robbing their children of adulthood. And there's a link to that article in my show notes. It's super interesting. I highly, highly recommend that you go through and read that. And in it, it really details some of the very wacky things that parents will do in the name of helping their kids. And let me be the first to say that I am an offender in this too sometimes, because it is all too easy to slip into that mindset of protecting your kids at all costs when your primary goal starts with safety. Because hello, school shooters and internet predators and terrorists, oh my. The problem evolves when it moves from just keeping our kids safe to keeping them comfortable. When it slips into friend drama and social media and mean teachers, oh my, instead of things that are life-threatening. There is really a fine balance to all of this. Because we wouldn't tell our three-year-old to go play in the front yard on a busy street without supervision and a healthy set of boundaries and rules. And neither would we let our 16-year-old drive to the nearest big city venue with a friend to attend a concert at a bar, right? But we would let our eight-year-old play in the front yard, maybe while keeping an eye on them through the porch windows at a distance. And we might let our 18-year-old senior go to that concert as long as our GPS tracking was on and she called when she got there and called when she was leaving. You know, it's really all in the details. When we get too fixated on the bigger threats, the fears that run through our heads like chickens warning that the sky is falling, that is when we lose sight of lighting the path to adulthood for our teens. Now, there's an interview that Mike Rowe did. He's that guy from Dirty Jobs that really struck a chord for me. And again, I've included it in the show notes as well. He's talking to a reporter about the whole idea of safety first and how things have really shifted in the workplace over the past few years and how far from common sense things have gotten. At one point in the interview, the reporter mirrors back Mike Rowe's ideas and he says, 
When you focus on safety first, you're assuming someone out there cares more about your well-being than you do. Now, for parents, that's something that we do from the moment we first hold our children in our arms, or heck, even from the moment that we find out we're expecting. We really worry more about our kids' safety than they worry about their own. And I know that I will always, always care about the well-being of my kids. But at what point do I turn that over to them? Because I want to make sure that they understand that most people will not be looking out for their well-being. It's their own job. And they need to take responsibility for their well-being. They need to speak up for themselves. They need to figure things out. And they need to navigate a world that can often be ambivalent at best, hostile at worst. And how are they going to know how to do that if I keep intervening in the very circumstances that will teach them those skills? Which leads me to another question. How do I know where that line is? When do I intervene and when do I not jump in? These are some pretty big questions. And while you're the only one who knows your teen, there are some basic guideposts that can help you find that line. Now, as you listen as I go through these, I really want you to ask yourself if this describes your family. If not, it might be some time for adjustments or at least time for a really good conversation between you and your co-parenting partner or you and your teens even. Because when you put it out all on the table, I think teens really have some good ideas behind this too. Okay, first of all, the first thing on this list of guideposts is my teen is responsible for doing whatever they can do on their own. And here are some examples, laundry, driving, organization and time management, schoolwork, planning school lunches to make it or to buy it, um, managing money for personal expenses like dates or outing with friends, putting gas in the car, making a meal on their own, doing dishes, cleaning the bathroom. Number two, when my teen does not stay organized or manage his or her time, I do not jump in to rescue him or her. Examples, Um, Your teen forgot to bring a homework assignment to school or forgot about an assignment and um, is trying to rush to do it at the last minute. Maybe they don't have a clean uniform for the game that they have to play in or haven't studied for a test they forgot about and they want to skip school. Number three, when my teen has an issue with a person of authority or really anyone else, I encourage him or her to first speak to the person directly. Number four, We've laid out very clear boundaries with our teens. For example, we have curfews, they have chores to do, they have, um, we have standards of good attitudes and respect, including the treatment of their siblings and other family members, expectations for their behavior at school and for their academic work. Number five, when the boundaries we've set are ignored, there are fitting effective consequences. Um, Examples would be things like loss of privileges, like phones and electronics or time with friends, or compensation for time lost. For instance, if someone else had to do your teen's chores, then they owe you time or more chores to be done. Um, Or even reparation or apologies for disrespectfulness, um, monitored study time if they haven't been managing that well. Um, Number six, I stay under my own umbrella and have taught my teens to stay under theirs too. Now, I did a whole episode on this. I think it was episode 16. I'll link to it in the show notes. But basically what that means is you take responsibility for your own emotions, thoughts, actions, and behaviors. 
Number seven, we encourage creativity and appropriate risk-taking in our families. Examples might be extreme sports like rock climbing or, you know, all skateboarding, whatever it is, um, roller coasters, exploring new places, talking about new ideas and theories, or trying new creative endeavors like movie making or art or writing or science experiments or whatever. Number eight, when risk-taking doesn't end the way we wanted or expected it to, we frame it as a learning experience rather than a failure, and we talk openly about our unsuccessful ventures and attempts. And number nine, in all of the above, I'm available as a resource or sounding board or support for my teen. Because clearly through all of these, you're not throwing your kid out into the world and having them do everything on their own. You're training them to do that and you're giving them the opportunities to practice these things and to try and not succeed so that they can pick themselves back up and try again. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, of course, this is what I do with my teens already. And you might even be offended that I'm suggesting otherwise, but believe it or not, that would actually make me super happy. I kind of thought that way too until I read another article that shares the results of a survey given to parents of 18 to 28 year olds. And to me, it was quite shocking because it describes all the ways these parents are still involved in their adult children's lives. And again, I've, I have a link to that article in my show notes, but I'm just going to share a couple of those stats with you here. 76% of these parents reminded their adult children of deadlines they needed to meet, including for schoolwork. 74% made appointments for their adult children, including doctor's appointments. called or texted to make sure they did not sleep through a class or a test. 14% told their adult children which career to pursue. 8% contacted a professor or administrator to discuss their adult child's performance or grades at college. Now, okay, I'm going to say, first of all, that there's a huge difference between an 18-year-old and a 28-year-old, right? And I can understand that you do some of these things, like making appointments for your kids who are still in college, but directing their careers or being in their wake-up calls? Not so much. Again, though, I cop to sometimes being over-involved in things that my teens should be fully responsible for. And as I prepared for this podcast, and and I was writing this part of the podcast out, I received a reminder that my daughter has a biology test coming up. It really is easy to fall into that habit of being hyper aware of every facet of my kids' lives, right? Learning to release the reins a little at a time is just a huge part of this parenting journey for me and one that I don't always do well, but it is a conversation that I continue to have with my teens because they are super quick to tell me when I am overstepping. And that's almost as quick as I am to tell them when they need to step up and take responsibility in some area, like keeping their bathrooms clean. When it is all said and done, what I truly want for my kids, and maybe this is the bottom line that we should all be looking at, is for them to be good, responsible, independent, interdependent adults. Figuring out what your bottom line is can really help you in making better decisions right now. Looking at the guideposts and course correcting is a much better option than looking back and wondering what could have been. What is the bottom line for you? And where are you with these guideposts? Where do you fall when it comes to helicoptering or snow plowing with your teens? 
I would really love to hear about it. And believe me, there is no judgment here, friends. This is just a journey that we're all on. And I would love for you to reach out and tell me all about where you are. You can find me on Facebook or on Instagram or on my website, theishgirl.com. There are links to all of those things in my show notes for this episode at theishgirl.com forward slash EP46. I hope, again, that you are enjoying your teen spring break whenever that may fall. And ours was exhausting from all the driving and exhilarating from our exploring and our visiting with friends and family all at the same time, right? It was just one big messy ball of travel and driving and schools and friends that we made some amazing memories with. And that's what I hope for you with your teens too over this spring break is amazing connection and fun memories. So from an ish girl who got a kick out of watching Netflix Umbrella Academy with her 17-year-old, it is all about connection, not perfection. 